Welcome to the NCLA podcast. Our guest today is Aaron Smith, and I'm super excited to have him because we have so much in common and just a shared vision for uh, for innovation and, and education and CTE. But just a little bit of information about him before we jump into the interview. Aaron is an author and international speaker. He's an active educator leading one of the most award-winning STEM magnet schools in the Commonwealth of Virginia. Specializing in advanced workforce development, Dr. Smith brings an inspiring message all over the nation on transformation of STEM and career and technical education, public education. Welcome, Aaron. Rachel, thanks for having me. It's truly an honor. Well, it's it's an honor to have you, and I'm really excited about our conversation today. And I want to start out just hearing some more about your background and how you got involved in STEM and CTE and just your leadership journey. Long story short, um, I began my career as a math teacher, and I had the bug to become an administrator, and I started the journey becoming an assistant principal at the middle school and high school level. Then I had an opportunity to become a program administrator at a place called Denby Aviation Academy. And for those not familiar with our program, it is a STEM slash CTE site with a focus on aircraft maintenance, piloting, aerospace engineering, and aviation safety and security. And, and through this journey, I really learned not only how to network with our business partners, but understand the importance of making sure our kids have the skills and the competencies to graduate and change those diplomas to dollars. Mm, that That is fantastic. And it's also great that you have that math background because it's something that is part of everything we do in all of our program areas and having that expertise and making that come to life in program areas is is such an asset for, for students, teachers, just all around. It is. Um, and to this day, I still reflect on my days becoming a teacher and I did not put enough real life experiences into the lessons. You know, I went through and traditional bachelor degree programs, teacher endorsements. And what I know now in terms of the CTE and STEM experiences, I wish I could have plugged that in years ago. I, I think my lessons could have been so much more exciting and thrilling. Oh, and it's, you know, hindsight is twenty twenty. Well, <laughs> This is the right year to say that, right? <laughs> but there's, a, but but it's that's the great thing about leadership is when we see those lessons and being able to impart those on the people that we're leading and help them to be able to do that. Then you know, just we all we all get better together. Mm-hmm. And and that's the name of the game. You know, we're all on this earth together, and not only should we walk walk our paths, but really help each other along their journeys as well. You know. The more we help one another, I think the more satisfied we become internally. That is so true. And especially in education, it's not a competition. When we get better and when the people around us get better, students get better, learning gets better. So it really truly is lifting society when we're able to have that attitude towards towards the work that we do. It, it is. It's, it, it's nothing like seeing a light bulb go off for a student or a teacher who's been struggling, finally starting to wrap around it and get it and just knock it out of the park. Oh, absolutely. Well, and you recently released a book that's called Blank Check, a novel. What if you were asked to help reinvent public schools? 
I love that title. I have not read it yet, but I'm going to, and I'm really excited about it. But according to what I've what I've read about it, it's a fictional story that could help to reshape schools, and it has a focus on STEM and CTE, two of my favorite things in the world. Mm-hmm. Um, can you tell our audience a little bit more about the book and what inspired you to write it? My first book, Awakening Your STEM School, talked a little bit about how schools and communities should work together in terms of changing their current dynamics of a school into a STEM uh, superstructure. But after developing that, I felt like something was missing. And I started working and, and just writing. And eventually it hit me after talking to a good friend. He said, dream, inspire, don't write another cookbook. So we continued our discussion and and the story evolved. What if you had a blank check where no policy was off the table? There were no price limits and you could really do what you needed to do to make a difference in the lives of children and in the way teachers teach and the way we help bridge communities and businesses together. And and that's how a blank check worked. It It's from a principal who's just burnt out with a system that just needs constant uh, refinement. And it takes a team that is inspired by a troubled teenager who goes through an opioid crisis, and they take on a daring education experiment to change uh, the fictitious uh, St. Andrew's Island. I cannot wait to read this. It sounds so good already and so so needed. So it's a fictional book. Was there any um, inspiration by a real happening or it's completely fictional? It's you've you've seen The Martian. I'm sure you probably read it as well. Andy Weir's oh, story. Yes. Well, his concept I really loved. And for those who don't know his background is it actually started off as chapter books where he got input from people. And he redefined and redeveloped the story so that it got hashed out by real life experiences based upon the current technology, the current times. And that's what I tried to do was to take a look at some of the things that educators were facing pre-COVID now um, and seeing what are the things that we need to think about and push the conversation forward. I'm, I'm the type of person who believes that We need to stop pointing the finger and just roll up our sleeves, work together and fix the solution. And and that's the approach to it is to rally everybody together and say, it's time to change the way we teach. It's time to change the way we view education. It's time to make a difference in the lives of our children. We took a system that's been traditionally painfully slow to change, mm-hmm. and everyone's blamed bureaucracy and all of the red tape that we have to work around, which is true. But because of this pandemic, we all had to change very quickly. And I, I worry about um, seeing folks who are just very anxious to getting back to the way things were when this is such an opportunity just to reshape and redefine education. It is. And sadly, a lot of people want to go back to the normal. But what lies ahead in my eyes are opportunities. I see things that industries can really hone in on stronger, more developed partnerships with school. I see CTE and STEM becoming the champions within schools and being able to uh, catapult them in the new elements of learning. And that's what we got to focus on. 
is let's stop focusing our energy on negativity, the way things have been, and start thinking about the opportunities that lie ahead and the lives we're going to change as a result of it. This is the time for it. It really is. is. It is. And in your other book that you mentioned, Awakening Your STEM School, you discuss the need to improve STEM in schools and that every business needs STEM graduates, which we know is true. When we look at at the careers and how everything's advanced, the big problems in this world require STEM solutions. Mm -hmm. So can you share a little bit about us, uh, share a little bit with us what we can do in CTE to make STEM visible and ensure that we're producing the future workforce that the world needs? One of the things I noticed that there is somewhat of a disconnect between academia and business. And it's it's not because of CTE, it's not because of STEM, but the reason that it's happened is that it's not consistent along the way. So even though their curriculum rewrites, things change within this four or five years. And that's why it's so important that schools reach out and talk to the companies and find out what the skills that are needed so that they can refine the competencies. What are things that are on the cutting edge of technology that the uh, that the business world uses that the academia needs desperately? But on the flip side of it, what are things in the business world, especially when we're talking about neurodiversity, promoting diversity, you know, how can schools champion that and share that knowledge with companies who want to continuously improve their culture. And, and it should be so ingrained that those partnerships are there. And I think that's something that we sometimes see is this time barrier of developing those relationships mm-hmm. when we really could, if, if you think about it, take advantage of interactions even outside of your school day. So I think about when I'm, I, I play tennis and the league that I'm in, I'm constantly meeting new people that I'm playing against, but there's conversations that happen between the, between the games during a match. And I always try to find out what they do for a living and talk a little bit about what are the needs that you see? Like, what are some, with your entry level employees, what are some thing, deficits that you're seeing and what are some things that educators can do to better prepare the future workforce? And it's such a small conversation, but I get so much information. And that's just part of my personal side of my life. But you can really integrate it into helping to improve education as well. Oh, you can. And you hit it perfectly because the power is in the conversation. Emails do a good job, a decent job of exchanging information, meeting focus on certain aspects of the work, but really it's the relationships that you develop are what going to amplify your initiatives, you know, your desires and pushes the needle to the next level. Well, and that goes right along with something that I saw in a video on your website where you mentioned that it takes a village to raise a child. Part of that is the business partnerships. Mm -hmm. And that um, you talk about how it comes down to communication and you've hit on that a little bit, but can you tell us more about what that looks like? In my experiences, communication has really been seen slash heard when the problem has occurred. But if we take the reverse approach and we communicate clearly, with a laser-focused vision, and we all unite our resources, our efforts, and our initiatives, our whole society changes. We now have created a major shift towards the fourth industrial revolution. We are now beginning to change the quality of life. We are now 
reducing poverty. We are now increasing the skills of our current employees as well as the future employees. That's what communication can do. And that's part of why I still think that education needs to understand some of the key terms that the business world uses, like ROI, for example. And that's why businesses need to understand some of the lingo and the jargon that the academic world uses so that there can become some deep discussions that have impactful results. And, you know, something that I do to make sure that I'm staying abreast on what's happening in business and industry is each year, well, pre-COVID and post-COVID, I hope, but I do, um, I go to a conference that is not an education conference that is business and industry. Mm -hmm. One year it was related to sustainability. Another year it was the Uber Elevates when they were announcing their partnership with NASA for the Evolves, which are their version of a flying car, uh, get, you know, just being able to make connections with business and industry through these conferences, but also hearing what's happening, learning their terminology and making connections there. And I think that that's something that every leader within CTE can truly benefit from is uh, finding finding the space to do that each year. Well, it, to me, I think the director's the schools, everybody should make it a priority because when you develop those relationships, that's when the birth of internships, you know, develop. That's when externships, job shadowing and opportunities that have otherwise not been tapped into before because there's trust there and they know within the voice, their eyes, that there's power in those conversations. That is so true. And it's also, you know, when you think about how people sometimes view education and what's happening, it's an opportunity to help them to really understand what's truly happening and to show them some of the things that they may not see, the things that are happening in our CTE programs and STEM programs that they may not even realize are going on. Right. And that's the beauty of CTE and STEM is that they transform the learning from direct instruction to more student-centered, product-based learning. And that puts the critical thinking, the creativity, all the things we want as parents to, to really give our children in a quality education. It's through the vehicles that we talk about today. Oh, absolutely. And one of your presentation topics, you, you have some fantastic presentations, by the way, I'm excited to, uh, to see it to see you present at some point in the future. But one of the topics is upscaling STEM curriculum with virtual and augmented reality for the future of work. Now, this is a passion area of mine. And I was actually working with a group doing some consulting earlier in the summer on looking at how to create a, a virtual school using some of these, these things, the mixed reality, augmented virtual reality, all of these different pieces that, that we don't necessarily see much of in most programs and most schools. So I wanted to hear your thoughts on what you envision as the role of VR and AR and the future of work and what it means for education. To me, it's exciting because it's going to bring another element of learning that really we haven't tapped into before. So let me give you an example. If somebody is being trained and they're using virtual reality, augmented reality, mixed reality, whatever the case may be, to undergo the scenario of the training, you have an instructor who is looking step by step, second by second of each 
process that they're doing. And when they finish the scenario, they sit down with the employee and they have the ability to go second by second what they did right, what they did wrong. And through virtual reality, it allows them to increase their efficiency and also reduce the cost as a result of them being able to replicate those scenarios. So fast forward this into schools. We have kids who want to become pilots. So we have flight simulators. We can't get them in the air. So the next best thing that we do is we have them use those flight simulators, if you will, virtual reality to an extent. That allows them to save $200 an hour when you think about the instructor, the fuel, the plane itself, and that's going to accelerate their ability to get that license quicker. Wow. And that one of the the things that we hear is that, oh, it's so expensive, you know, an Oculus headset. I think they're around $300 for the new version that came out. The one that I got a few months earlier, not knowing a new version was coming right. is 600. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, so, it, so it's exciting a to see it demonetized already that quickly to where it's more affordable. It's the cost of a laptop and, and also to think about the cost savings that you just mentioned. I hadn't even thought about that aspect of it. That's huge. Oh, it's, it's, it's incredible to me because now people that may have struggled with finances have the ability to do it if it's in schools. And we have thankfully had a couple of students get their private pilot's license before they graduate. Now, a lot of people don't realize to get their private pilot's license, you have to be at least 17 years old and pretty much have between twin and $15,000. And that's basically because the cost of fuel is so expensive. Having a simulator in the schools cuts down the number of errors that they'll make. It increases their flight time, experience that they'll get, and all that experience and skills that they have developed are going to be shown when they actually sit down with the instructor in the cockpit. And it's exciting. <laughs> it is. It is. Um, you know, we... We love seeing kids utilize that technology because not only is it beneficial for us, we can tell the taxpayers that this is what we're using it for, but it's also an intrinsic value because you see the smile on the children's face right after they finish the simulation, or if they come running through the doors and show you their license that they got it. Those are the priceless moments that you know that you've made a difference in the life. Of someone and literally change their trajectory. Like that's a, a new direction and an opportunity they wouldn't they wouldn't have had otherwise in most cases. Exactly, you you've accelerated their journey, and it's thanks to STEM and CTE because otherwise these industries would have been taught in silos, and there would have been no way to have everything connected under one um, monitor. Well, Dr. Smith, I want to switch directions and hear from you about autonomous learning and learners and what this looks like in the CTE education realm. So I see autonomous learners as the beginning of learning from crayon to career. And, and I bring this up because when children are very much interested in something, they will stop at anything to, to learn about it whether it's on the playground, whether they're looking at Minecraft, you know, they have developed a passion for it. And 
through their multiple intelligences. You know, they revolve their skills around the things that they want to learn. And when you become an adult, we really should have the same focus. We want to be able to be interested in something that pertains to our work, but learn about it in a way that we feel the most comfortable to do it, whether we're kinesthetic, linguistic, spatial, find a way and an element so that you can have everything under your fingertips. And it really is developing that sense of learning for the sake of learning. And I think we see so frequently kids learning for a grade and that sense of, oh, is there a grade for this? Are we getting graded? And we program them that way and they get, you know, they're programmed that way. And then they come to our classes and we're like, why is it always about the grade? But that's just the way we've motivated them. So, you know, that whole autonomous learning piece really truly is developing lifelong learners who are passionate and want to continue to learn and to grow. It, It is. And when you think about it, what motivates people to do well is the feedback that they're given as a result of a trial or a lesson. And it's not just good job, but you really did a good job here. And here's why they did it, because then it changes not only their confidence and abilities, but it also makes them want to go and do it even more. It ties in that socio-emotional learning that we also want to blend in with our schools today. Oh, absolutely. That feedback is so is so critical. And sometimes it's one of the things that gets cut out just because of the sake of time, but that we have to remember to include, not just for our teachers, but, you know, I think, I think about past employers that I would go to the moon and back because of my relationship with them and mm-hmm. because of the feedback that they would give. And that, you know, may have stayed at the, in that position longer than I should have even, but, you know, you really develop some that loyalty and that drive through, uh, through that type of relationship. It, it is. And great leaders recognize that the powers and the people that you work with. And, and I'm always reminded by a, a young lady um, who's retired now, but she keeps telling me kids don't care about what you know until they know that you care. And that, that can be applied anywhere. Oh, absolutely. That's so true. I've seen so many examples of that over my, over the course of my career and how once they realize that you care, suddenly mm-hmm. everything changes. It just clicks. It does. It does. It's like their guard shifts down and they become a sponge and whatever you throw with them, they'll just soak it up and they will do anything um, to try to help make whatever your dreams and your priorities are even better. And, and what we're talking about students, some of your students have had the opportunity to do some innovative work via NASA Hunch. How, how did this partnership merge and what has resulted from it? Um, we've been partners with NASA for years. Um, thankfully, I, I knew NASA because I did an internship there in my college uh, over the summers. And I knew some of the ins and outs of it. And that was one of the first um, organizations that I connected with when I got the director's uh, position at Aviation Academy. And I told them, I said, I want to bring it to life. We do some great things, but I want to bring even more. And when I explained to them, we had a wind tunnel. Their eyes lit up and they're like, you got a wind tunnel? I was like, we sure do. We have a 50-foot wind tunnel that kids can go in and do 
you know, test and conduct some analysis. And they were like, when can we come over? So when they came over, we shared it with them. And that's when we started working on professional development for the teachers. And that's when we started learning some of the nuances that are, you know, things that people who don't use a wind tunnel every day suddenly realize. So that's one of the things that we do with NASA is we we find out things that they have experience in and they bring it into the classroom. One of the things that we're, we're doing right now is we're assembling lockers for the space station. And it's through a, a NASA program called Hunch. It's high schools united with NASA for the need to create hardware. And they've given us lockers and it ties in with our curriculum for maintenance because kids have to work on riveting, lining things up, making sure that they are punching the right holes. And the kids have the ability to work on it inside and outside of the course. Every three weeks to a month, if you will, um, an engineer comes by for feedback and they listen. And that's the beauty of it is that they're getting feedback from the students who are building it. Um, so they take that back to Johnson Space Center and they create the next round or the Lockers 2.0, if you will. Um, and that's what keeps our relationship so well is that they listen. Our kids have a great experience with it. And it's a great resume builder. That is so exciting. Just to, to think about as a student that you uh, that the work you're doing is going to be up in space on the International Space Space Station. Wow. Yeah, I, I tell them it's it's an out of the world experience, but they don't appreciate it. <laughs> I'm sure there's probably not many people on your podcast <laughs> not going to like them either. So I apologize. No, <laughs> they probably roll their eyes when you say it, but then they go home and tell their parents or use that as well in their conversations. It sticks. Sometimes we don't even realize how much it sticks. It does. And and I think that's the fun part about our jobs is that we can be kids at times just as much as we can be the instructors helping them get to that level they want to be. So true. I was doing a virtual guest speaker uh, speaking uh, engagement last week virtually through Zoom for a cosmetology program in Tucson, Arizona. And it was just so awesome to connect with students and to hear their questions and their, their perspectives. And even, uh, you know, yesterday, yesterday I had a third grade class that I did a guest speaking appearance for, and some of them were sending direct messages to mm-hmm. me. And it's just Kids are so awesome. <laughs> I, lo- I love working with adults, but when I get a chance to work with students, it's really exciting. Yeah, definitely is. All right. And I also read in one of your blog posts, you were sharing some tips for self-care during COVID times. What is one of the top tips that you would give specifically to CTE administrators? I think number one, pace yourself because these are not normal times. And even though there's an urgency to do everything you can only do, but so much at a time, because when you stretch yourself out too thin, that's when you're prone to making mistakes. And that's when the quality of work diminishes exponentially. So make sure that you pace yourself for the marathon, you know, focus on that particular day, but keep your eye on tomorrow. I think something else we need to look at is focus on areas that have been problems before and see if you can turn them into opportunities. 
for example, what if a school or school district has had problems with creating internships with companies because they're not able to do it, whether it's age or COVID? Why not see if you can do a hybrid internship, something that is somewhat virtual, but yet something that could be potentially there on the site? And dare to dream. That's that's the beauty of our jobs is we have the ability and the flexibility to be as creative as what we want to be. Going along with that, Peter Diamandis is one of my uh, favorite thought leaders that I follow. And he he says that the biggest problems in the world are the biggest business opportunities. But that's true for our students, too. It's the, the biggest problems are truly the biggest opportunities for the students in our classrooms. And if we can shift their thinking and help them to see that, but also as ad- administrators and teachers within the CT realm, looking for those opportunities within the midst of those problems that can really truly change the perspective and create some some innovative um, thought processes and solutions, too. Oh, he's definitely spot on. And it's one of the things I remind myself, we are only as bound by our imagination. And it's the mindset that will accelerate that path or basically stop it dead in its tracks. Now, that's it. That is so on point. I'm glad I'm glad you mentioned that. Now, what are some tips that you have for CTE in a virtual or even a hybrid environment? I think number one is make sure that your curriculum and your competencies are are being closely watched in terms of time, depending on the models that we're using, depending on the situations that we're in. I think it's important that we, we monitor that very closely because certification dates typically don't change. And we've got to make sure that we're still in lockstep to make sure the competencies are covered as well as the tests are covered. I think another thing is change the way you've done some of your traditional lessons before. For example, in a marketing class where they would have done a traditional presentation in class about this, flare it up a little bit. For example, let's say that they're the new PR director at company XYZ, where they have to create 15 posts over five days. Let's say they've got to create new hashtags, new logos. And in a hybrid model, maybe at home, they can work on designing the stuff. They can start working on some of the fine tuning, like the best times to um, to post them. And, but at the same time, when they come to class, they have the ability to get a sounding board to see, does this make sense? And what tools can teachers and students use together, such as Grammarly or Emojipedia.com, um, build it? Does that make sense? Absolutely. And I'm glad you mentioned incorporating some of those tools. Grammarly was something I discovered when I was writing my first book. And it was such a lifesaver. And I thought, wow, how did I not know about this before? But, you know, it's not something that was has always been around, but it's it's something that can have a big impact on making sure that everything that we do, it comes across as professional. Dr. Smith, thank you so much for, for being on the podcast today. And really, really appreciate everything that you've shared. And I'm excited to get this out to our listeners And for our listeners who are tuning in, if you would like to be a guest on the podcast or have topics that you would like for us to cover in future episodes, please email me at info at 
ncla-cte.org. And thanks again, Aaron. I really appreciate this time with you. Rachel, this was so much fun. I appreciate you having me. Oh,